Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, and welcome back to the Oz Network for our final bit. Is this the final bit of Christmas coverage? Am I lying in saying that? This is it. This is the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're at the end of our Christmas coverage. And the end. And the end of our home improvement saga. A journey that has taken two years, intentionally, not that we're just lazy and <laughs> haven't gotten around to it, but our end of our home improvement Christmas special episodes here while we recap the eighth episode. Uh, Insert title here. Eighth season. Episode 11. uh, What is it? No Place Like Home, I think. No, no, that was season six. Um, The Christmas episode from season eight. (laughs) Well, I'll find it before you finish. (laughs) Uh, We're here to talk about our eighth episode, season eight episode, whatever he said. Home for the holidays. Rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> sticks in your brain. Yeah, we're here to talk about it. The final episode of Jonathan Taylor Thomas on Home Improvement and the end of an era, even though the show's been over for 20 years or something. But we're only getting to it now. I'm Rossi. And I also wonder, how do they say hasta la vista in Spanish? And my name is Colin, and sing hallelujah. Let your trumpet be heard. Go tell it on the mountain. Remember the Alamo. I have no memory of that quote, so. (laughs) Yeah, I had some good quotes, but nothing really stand out as like a line. So that was the only thing I could think of. But (laughs) yes, season eight, our final Christmas episode. I asked you before if uh, what you thought I would think of it. And we really, neither of us could really remember. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we should have gone back and listened. but. I don't know. I had, um, I was kind of let down a little bit by this episode. I expected more. And I was, uh, since you told me it was the end of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's stint on home improvement, I knew he was already out of the show pretty much at this point. It was just mm. kind of come back, but it was kind of sad that this was the end. I don't know. I wanted a little more. Um, I vaguely remember you saying that during the cancer episode, how you really talk about how that was his real send off from the show. And like, this was kind of just like an afterthought or not afterthought, but sort of ancillary. So yeah, but on the whole, I was kind of, kind of let down. Uh, I, I didn't think it was bad, but I don't know. I was kind of let down. So, um, oh, well, the cancer episode was actually much earlier in the series, but that was like his biggest episode ever. Oh. Um, it was episode three of this same season. So really only two months prior where his character was written out. And uh, you you can gather, even just watching this episode, what all happened, which is that he had an opportunity to do some type of you know program, Saving the Trees in Costa Rica, uh, which sort of fit in with some of the changes with this character. Uh, but I... I sort of agree with you on this episode. Like, here's the funny thing. I always would have looked back on the Home Improvement Christmas episodes and said, this one's my bottom because there is something in this episode that I absolutely hate, which I'm going to say right away. It's the twins. The twins suck. The twins can drop dead. The twins are the worst thing in the history of the show. Uh, Coming from a father of twins. That's from a father (laughs) of twins. So they must be really bad. And you'll probably hear my twins in the background of this episode and you'll understand how much worse these twins could possibly be than my children. But uh but I, I can kind of get what you're saying because this, it was the final episode. This was the only time he came back after leaving the series. But you have to imagine that they thought they were getting him for the finale at this point. Because this isn't necessarily written. It's very much written like, oh, he's returning, but we'll, we'll see him again. And we don't see him again. And I think if they knew that there was no way they were getting him back for the finale, which we talked about in our JTT month, I mean, really what it came down to for him 
was he was going to college and this was right during like exam time and when he was applying for colleges. So he just made the responsible adult choice and said, I'm not going to take like two weeks off from you know, basically trying to get into college to finish this show. Uh, so there's a reason why it's understandable why he didn't come back. But if they had known he wasn't coming back for the finale, I feel like this episode would have been written a little bit differently. But I think what this episode has going for it is that it is focused on him. It develops all the characters, particularly all three kids. We really get to see them differently than we've seen them in past seasons. And um, there's a little bit of a, I guess, a little bit of drama in here. And uh, I guess growth, especially for the JTT character, plus a bit of a twist on the Christmas decorating competition, which at this point is kind of a tired concept. But they 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 one up it a little bit by introducing Al into the mix. I sort of, yeah, you made a lot of good points. And I, I think that you're already kind of selling me on it being better than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I still struggle. My biggest complaint, you brought it up, was the fact that it almost felt like not his episode. Yeah. Like, and I still, you mentioned like, oh, it's centered around him. I still struggle with it being centered around him. He almost lacked agency in the whole episode. It almost felt like, I get, I get that that was kind of the storyline of like, I'm a hotel guest hotel and everything's just happening, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted him to have more like agency and control. I think the biggest strike for me on that was he talks to Wilson Mm -hmm. and spoilers for the end of the episode. He's talking (laughs) to Wilson about like, Oh, I just kind of feel like a loner. I like, I don't fit in or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you have to make time for that, like them to notice you or whatever. And then, but he doesn't do that. He just goes up on the roof and then everyone (laughs) just shows up to talk to him. Like I wanted him to have like, no, no, like I get that these, this is your family and it, but like you haven't seen me in like, I don't know, months. Like, I feel like if this was me, my family would have a bigger reaction regardless of how many sets of twins are moved in. You know, yeah. I just felt like he lacked the like well, character. I don't know. I, well, when we get to that scene, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, I think I, I was originally on the same page as you as I thought for a long time, this doesn't really make sense with what Wilson saying, but I think there is a way to have it make sense. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. I'll, I'll quickly just talk about before we get into the episode, some of the changes in the season. I mean, obviously Jonathan Taylor Thomas is out through outside of the first three episodes of the season. Uh, and kind of in response to that with them wanting to, um, I guess, keep the cast a little bit more bloated, <laughs> have more people to play off of, but more so to do with the fact that this is the first season where all three kids are officially like teenagers. I mean, you got it in the last season a little bit, but like they're not kids anymore. And the concept of the show is so much about, you know, this father figure. Uh, well, he's more than a father figure. He's literally a father, but uh, uh, with, with Tim being, you know, your, your 90s dad. I mean, I, I always appreciate about Home Improvement that you're cut. You came off of the 80s where family sitcoms were just, overdone and they were all too corny it was all too much full house or uh what who's the boss or uh growing pains family ties i mean i like some of those shows not full house i don't like full house but uh but uh i like some of the shows but the 90s is like let's reinvent the whole idea of you know father in a sitcom kind of make him a bit of a boo but make him like this is the way a father would be i mean he's he's trying to teach his kids how to be how to be men you know and sometimes that's done comically and sometimes it's done dramatically uh but them not being kids anymore they brought these twins in uh which is his brother marty's twins which we've seen him this is our third christmas episode seeing him uh but they were these twins were previously in the season four christmas episode they aged them up uh, probably didn't age them up in the sense of TV where you just suddenly have a character that jumps from being a baby to being five years old. But the first time we see them with these actresses where they're now like five, six years old. And a lot of season eight was about playing on that. There was a subplot that was done in the season where these twins made Tim want to have another baby again. And it was more so he wanted to have a girl because he'd never interact with girls before. So a lot of good stuff in season eight they did with the twins, but like the actresses are so bad and the writing for them is so terrible. And they just, they don't have that same charisma and spark that JTT and, and even the other two kids on Home Improvement have. So it just feels like, oh, this is cool to see Tim playing off of kids again, but it's not kids being able to play off a of Tim, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that it, it was rough. I, for the, for like 90% of the episode, I was like, who the hell are these students? <laughs> like coming in blind. Like I knew some of the storylines of like, I knew, like I knew the JTT storyline. I remember at least enough about that, like why he was gone mm-hmm. and came back and everything. But yeah, they, they were such a mystery. Like 
I caught one of them looking at the crew like behind oh, the camera. Yeah. Um, the lines were awful, like especially at the beginning. Like uh, I put the shutters on backwards, just like Uncle Tim. <laughs> yeah. Like awful, just awful dialogue. And, like, yeah. When you hear a line like that, you can imagine how the other kids would have played that line. They would have played it like they were taking a shot at Tim and having fun with him, but they're just like reading a line and smiling and hoping people will laugh, you know? Yeah, I get that they don't have the history of like, that's not their father. Like they don't have the, yeah. the time spent, but like one of the other kids would have been like, yeah, when you tried to fix the shutters on our house or something like that, yeah. you know, inside out or something, or when your pants ripped on them or something, you mm-hmm. know? Like there'd be a funny like anecdote or something. Like there was nothing here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the only thing that I I'll, I'll just say now, the only thing I kind of enjoyed was like, here, let me take over. He's like, no, we want it to last till Christmas. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was fine. Um, but yeah, it was rough. But I guess do you want to go beat by beat now. Let's go. Let's start it. Uh, tool time segment to start the show. <laughs> it's live. I, hate, I think it's live. <laughs> I hate I hate to be that person again. <laughs> it seems to be my reoccurring thing. But it is less believable now. First off, live <laughs> again. Okay. Second of all, a live show on someone's roof, <laughs> less believable. And actual electricity being run in someone's house on top of who knows what other electrical equipment they needed for their show. Like it's not, it's mm. it's not possible. <laughs> Even if the budget's increased, it's not possible. Uh, but we do get some sort of, I mean, outside of the like information that they're supposed to be providing, we get some big reveals. Al is going to be in the contest because he lives in Tim's home that Tim has with Tim windows and Tim rugs and, mm-hmm. and everything Tim. And so he's in the contest. Uh, and for people like me, uh, Trudy's new because I did not know her from, from any of the previous episodes. Yeah. So those are the two big reveals. And other than that standard fare, uh, Tim doesn't get to do any of the work because that's dangerous. And then the the classic uh, Al's mom's fat or whatever joke with the the blown up Santa, and that's Mrs. Borland or whatever. So <laughs> kind of the most dull part of it, of uh, one of the kind of more dull two time segments. I feel like we got it's more like information reveal and storyline than actual yeah. gags. And this is another thing. Like if you're watching the series straight through, that it does sort of feel like oh, this is this is just feeding us information, but it's all information you already know. Like. It, within the first 10 episodes of the season, we got introduced to Trudy uh, and what they say in this episode. I mean, they, they briefly allude towards it, but like basically Al starts dating this woman who's essentially a millionaire and she's buying, she, she doesn't realize she's doing this, but she's basically trying to buy Al's love, you know, and he ends up with like a Ferrari or something like that. And the, the other part being that like uh, the uh, Tim's house, like Tim had a rental home. There was an earlier episode in the season where Tim was basically doing one of these tool time remote episodes where it was what he wanted to do as a rental property. And Al kind of makes a joke. Oh, in fact, I'll take the house. And then it turns into a bit of conflict, with, like Tim being the landlord and he makes him actually give a blood sample when he uh, fills out his application and all that. But like everything here, not only is it just setting up what you're going to need to know for the episode, but it's all been done before. We already know Trudy. If you're watching the show, you know that Trudy's a millionaire and you know that Al's renting Tim's house and Tim's very protective over this house. And we've literally seen this house only a couple of weeks earlier when they were renoing it. So it's not even necessarily a fresh location. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the worst one. I mean, I, I did like some of the stuff in here. Like we always get the typical Al jokes. Like, uh, you know, he always fits in something with Al. I'm Tim, the tool man, Taylor. And this is Al. The Al be home for Christmas, just like every other night was good. Uh, and, and you also mentioned the, um, uh, we're taking the ultimate safety precaution, not letting Tim do any of the work. Like these are jokes that they make a million times and they rewrite it slightly. And for the most part, I think it still gives me a laugh. The one thing I want to mention in this, uh, that was really good. First of all, two things. One, that giant Santa is like something out of a nightmare. Like <laughs> that is a terrifying Santa, which I think is good for like the, the laugh of the episode. But the other thing, and we, we probably talked about this, um, I don't know if we were talking about this on one of the Halloween episodes we covered maybe, but their sponsor Saginaw cheese. This is one of the common jokes on home improvement where tool time is sponsored by something called Saginaw cheese from like Saginaw, Michigan. And they always have the line cheese. is good. It's just like a bad, you know, uh, corporate slogan that they always deliver with such enthusiasm. And you, if you watch home improvement, you've heard that cheese. It's good line every single time they do this. And it still kind of makes me laugh. Cause it's just, that's such a, it, it fits in with like what you were talking about last year or last week, I guess last year and last week, technically, <laughs> um, 
about like the, the not quite believing like tool time was a big enough show to do all this stuff. And I said, well, you know, it's still like a struggling show. And that's sort of the thing of like, Oh, this isn't like your big time show. They have a cheese store or whatever, or a cheese maker that sponsors them on a Saginaw, Michigan. And this is their big sponsor that, uh, that I think fits more in the earlier seasons than it does this, but it's, it's just such a, uh, I guess a reoccurring gag here that it's still kind of funny. It's actually genuinely wild how much of this is so like, you're like, oh, this, this news we've heard like three episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for some reason they reframed it perfectly for like a new watcher of the Christmas episode. Yeah. Like you must be like, man, we ju- I just watched last the episode before this where they talked about Trudy and, <laughs> and they talked about the house and like they're doing yeah. it again. Like where I'm like, oh, this is new information. Let me jot this down. Like mm. it, it, it's interesting that they chose to kind of take that approach to the writing which i guess is more of a knock on the show if they're like writing the same thing in every episode yeah well, and spoiler i i think we mentioned this um when we were talking about eileen his last girlfriend that like trudy who's the only other recurring <laughs> girlfriend he has on the show the finale of this series is basically al's wedding to trudy uh so she obviously does stick around she really doesn't appear in that many episodes but it is kind of the i guess the way that al's character is written out and everything about the finale is about al's wedding still yeah i i got no major impression i do like her in the very end sequence of the the Mm -hmm. episode that that was very fun (laughs) kind of the next bit is the the girls decorating the the uh gingerbread house i was like who are these people Uh, (laughs) i was like i know they don't have like children like i know they only had the three boys like i knew that but i was like where did mm-hmm. these show up and for most of the first half of the episode there's no like parent like and they talk about like some sort of your mother your father like they talk about it but they don't actually say it so as someone who's coming in blind almost i was like who what they just uh, found these two on the street like what like you're not even that off base even if you do know the show the well because like they they appear in quite a few episodes this season and really the first one where they move in with him, like Marty basically moves in. And when he has the kids, they're there, you know, that that's still a big episode, but like they, they just make no impression. So even if I'm watching the show now, knowing the show by heart, every time they appear, I'm always like, Oh, that's right. They are on the show. Like they, 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 there's nothing memorable about them. Other than the fact that you remember how bad they are, if you're lucky enough to remember that. Yeah. It was a little rough. Spe- like home improvement did really well. The three boys, like I know that Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the star of the three, but they're all really good. And I thought that yeah. you said this episode, they were all standouts. Like I thought that they, the other two did a really good job of filling the void. Mm-hmm. I know that he's still there. The third one, but like, <laughs> I feel like they did a really good job of pulling up where the slack was mm-hmm. these girls are not <laughs> they are the slack <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we're trying to get the boat moving and they someone threw them in there <laughs> and they're the anchor whatever like the jokes here just don't really work they're, they're missing things the house is not together the boys steal the red hots um and even the jokes with the boys are not good like because brad brad's the oldest yeah yeah brad gives it to the youngest one and he's like uh you sold him out it's like uh, I can smell the cinnamon on your breath. Ha ha ha. Like, Wait, did you, me- there's one that. line I'd still liked here though. When it was like, oh. oh, shame on you selling out your brother. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. And then Brad's like, yet oddly, I feel great. Like, I like that. And I think that's partly because Brad's character has gotten to the point where he really is a different character. Like this is a grown up version of Brad. And you just sort of get that teenage arrogance out of it. Like I, I do like, I think that these last two seasons is where I actually really started liking Brad. Well, that's also kind of like an original JTT kind of line that they would yeah. give him that they're now like, yeah, good point. They offloaded it to Brad and even um, the younger one later with the Costa Rica, Puerto Rico. Like, <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to get to that. <laughs> that's like a dumb thing, but that's kind of the way of a joke that they would give to Jonathan Taylor yeah. Thomas. So like they're kind of offloading the good content to them because I guess now that they're kind of at least at a caliber where they can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was kind of lame the whole thing and then tim comes in and he's complaining about al like oh he might cheat on the contest and she's like you cheat more than him <laughs> um and i just have one general complaint about home improvement i noticed it really badly in this episode but i'm sure that it exists and i'm sure it's not just home improvement they don't know how to transition from one scene to the next like this whole sequence ends with jill saying you cheat more than al and then it cuts with like Christmas cookies and then it's the next scene. And I'm just like, 
they really don't know how to end the line. That's not even a funny joke. Like, yeah, well, and and really, I think that is just a sitcom thing because we're sort of in an age now where so many shows are streaming. And I know I um, there's a Parks and Recreation podcast that uh, Rob Lowe uh, does with one of the writers from Parks and Recreation. And they talk a lot about the, they're both working on streaming shows and they're like how difficult it was on Parks and Recreation that sometimes you had to deliver an episode that was exactly on time because you pre-sell your commercials. And sometimes you're, it's as simple as we need to cut four seconds out of this episode. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to cut maybe four seconds of what should follow a punchline, or you have to cut a punchline out. So you do get a lot of, in, in network sitcoms, especially back in this age, you get a lot of those awkward, like, oh, this scene, Parker in the last week's episode, you know, there's, there's the excuse for it. We were running long. We had to cut Parker out. In this case, we're going to cut the punchline out of the joke. Yeah, it just seemed weird. That 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 first one really caught me off guard, though. Uh, just because the jokes weren't that good. If they ended on a really funny joke, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But they ended on, you cheat more. Like, mm. I mean, it could have been better. Maybe it's just the situation. But after that, we sort of see that uh, everyone's kind of... Uh, well, they talk about the girls spending Christmas morning with their mother, um, who we don't really get to see. But... And they were talking, and I was like, this has no meaning for me. I have no idea who these girls are. I don't know. Who I <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm guessing I should feel sad that they're without their parents or so. like, we don't even know if they have their father. Like at this point in the story, like, I know that, you know, as someone who's watched the show, it is coming in blind. I was like, do they even have a father? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, Marty then, is the father. He's there. And then they start talking about Christmas, like what it means to you. And, and then she's like peace on love you know goodwill and then tim comes in with the wise man with the harpoon gun um <laughs> which i really like i like the the sort of turf war against uh al here i think that that's a re- that was a really fun twist on the contest mm-hmm. which is like you said overdone at this point mm-hmm. and then they sort of get we get stuff where jonathan taylor thomas arrives but in the midst of like everything going on like the the boys are setting up he has no one trying he's like oh give me a hug and everyone's like too busy we gotta go like brad runs in says something about the jesus is smoking baby jesus is smoking <laughs> yeah um, so no time to catch up and they they're doing like a sort of like prat folly gag of running in running out he's trying to give him a hug no time to talk this kind of sets up the tone for the whole his whole character this episode of like mm everyone's just too busy for him everyone's got other things going on and he's just kind of neglected he also goes to his room which is then overtaken by the other boys uh it's an absolute mess um there's like a plate with like cheese on it or something (laughs) a sock attached to it (laughs) yeah i i thought that was cheese but whatever it was gross either way (laughs) then jill says you better clean up the room they pick up the clothes she leaves they throw the clothes back down the floor some of the funny bits I hear were Brad trying to tell the story about something happened on the roof and he laughs his whole way through it. He's like, yeah, to be there, uh, which is very unfortunate for, for JTT here. Uh, and then the, the truly the funniest joke of the whole, like probably the episode was how's Puerto Rico, Costa Rica. Oh, I guess you're not getting my letters then or whatever, <laughs> which was so funny and caught me so off guard because the little brother is not in it as much from my memory as the rest, like as the others. So mm-hmm. seeing him get like a little bit of a good joke was like genuinely funny. Uh, and that's really it. Then they, they, they sort of start talking about his, his, his trip and everything. And then it kind of moves on from there. I don't know if you wanted to, to share some, I know you want to talk about the Puerto Rico thing. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll actually start with that because uh, if I were to count maybe the top five, jokes that I laughed the hardest at in my life at home improvement that Mark joke about how's Puerto Rico and he goes uh you mean Costa Rica oh I guess it means you're not getting my letters that might rank in like my top five at least top 10 best home improvement jokes of all time like it it might be the ultimate Mark joke ever uh and this is sort of talking about that that scene particular I'll get back to that scene but that joke kind of sums up what works so well about I guess everybody in this episode um the twins really are terrible like everything about them is bad and we're going to get into the worst stuff of them in this episode. And I think this is why I always look back on this episode. I always think that I like this episode less than I do because so much of the folk, anything outside of John Taylor Thomas is about these twins. And really there's only two episodes that 
ever are, I guess the twins have their own plot line. The only other one was also about their birthday. And it was also them basically being bratty and obnoxious. Like it's not that you can't feel for the kids, I guess, to a certain extent, but like we talked about last week, how much more you could feel for Jill with her situation. It's a lot harder with these twins. Um, yeah, the, the the one thing I did like with the, the gingerbread house, because it didn't involve the twins, and it's weird because it's one of the few jokes that didn't get a laugh, and I have to think this is one of these things where they do multiple takes. We're going to see alternate takes and everything at the end of this episode, and we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago, but... Tim has the line about uh, they oh use black licorice for the gutters that was supposed to be the plumbing and it doesn't even get a laugh but like the idea that Tim had planned out a gingerbread house that included plumbing which is hidden like that is the most Tim thing ever for a gingerbread house but it must have just been multiple takes or they had to cut three seconds of the episode they had to cut the laugh on that one but I did like that one. Uh, and then, yeah, where the, the twins are asking Jill, you know, uh, what, what's your favorite thing on oh, Christmas? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And then Tim walks in, literally just delivers like, Borland, Santa's toast. And then he has the wise men, which are going to be the big thing in this episode. Uh, and he's like, what is that? It's, it's a wise man with a harpoon gun. Jill says, tis the season, be packing. Uh, I also like the idea that uh, with, with Brad and Mark, where they come in and they're at the age now where they're not necessarily kids listening to everything. They're doing what the dad says but they don't like it. Like he's basically in the snarky tone. It's like, dad, I'm so proud to be spying for you on the Christmas, the holiest holiday of the year. And then when they're talking about Al's display and they're saying like his nativity scene is more convincing than the original. That's just a brilliant line. Um, When Jonathan Taylor Thomas comes back, I always find it interesting when you have uh, these big appearances from sometimes it's just an actor in a sitcom, like a famous actor appears uh, in a sitcom and you, you get like that ovation. Like he gets this ovation. And I don't think that, people would have known when this episode was filmed because you can tell there's the reaction of like okay applause sign and they're clapping but this was like people didn't know he was coming back like because the reaction is so big when he walks in the door and i i remember when the season was airing that i knew that he was coming back like maybe a couple weeks beforehand like it was a, a news story or something but um i don't at the time they filmed this episode anybody realized it because like he gets such a huge ovation now at the same time as jonathan taylor thomas i mean outside of you would make the argument like people know Al as a character, but like for actors on the show, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is behind Tim. I mean, it's basically the two of them. They were the famous ones and they were the ones everybody loved. Um, they, uh, yeah, the baby Jesus is smoking lines. Great. When they have to come back in later and uh, somebody bring the fire extinguisher. So these scenes, I'm going to point to them later on when we get to the scene after the Wilson one as to why this does work, because it's not like people aren't happy to see him. It's like, there's literally an emergency outside and so I feel like a lot of this episode is it's it's shown from Randy's point of view that, oh, nobody has time for me. But like, you know what, if, if baby Jesus is smoking outside, I think I'm going to go outside with a fire extinguisher and take a look. You know, uh, it's kind of understandable, but uh, he hasn't lost his character at all within two months or any anything. Um, yeah, the uh, the the thing with Brad and Mark, like this is something that they they sort of drop in this episode, but I don't remember it ever being a thing in the season that they're getting along all of a sudden because Mark was always the the youngest kid that Brad and Randy would pick on. I mean, that was the entire first season was about that. It was oh, you guys are always picking on Mark with the whole Santa died six years ago joke, uh, but uh, them getting along in this episode is it, it, it's just a change in the dynamic of the characters. And it actually does make sense. Like you get rid of one sibling and then the other two start getting along. Like I, I remember I, I always got along with both of my siblings, but you know, I remember there was a period where my brother was gone for, I don't know, a couple of weeks visiting a friend. And I just definitely talked to my sister a lot more and got along with her. And it was like, Hey, you want to watch a movie tonight? You know? So removing one sibling from the equation, it kind of does logically make sense. But like that scene is the highlight of this entire episode. And all three of them are just like hitting every single joke. Uh, you know, Randy's take like, Oh, that's actually Costa Rica. I guess he didn't get my letters The Jill telling the cleanup. Yeah, we'll get right on that. And even when Jill's showing him the room, cause this was Randy's room. And now because um, their uncle Marty and the twins moved in, they have to share this room in the basement, which that's another complaint I have because they actually say that like, uh, the twins get one of their rooms and uh, the uncle Marty gets the other room, but like the twins don't live there full time. And they even bring that up in the episode earlier in the season with like, well, why don't the twins take the basement or Marty takes the basement? Like, well, I think the twins will want to be closer to their dad. I'm like, I don't think that matters. They've got their aunt and uncle in the house. So this always bothered me. Like the two kids had to be shoved into the room in the basement. Uh, but uh, Jill being like, oh, oh, when Jill's talking about, yeah, they, they kind of bonded since you've been gone. 
and uh, they pick up that sock attached to the plate. It's like, oh, I wonder what has been uh, what they've been bonding to. Uh, and then the the joke where it's like, oh yeah, first he snuck up on dad, and they're laughing. It's like, and then he and oh, I guess he had to be there. Uh, I love that. But yeah, this Puerto Rico, Costa Rica thing is so funny. And it's so good because Mark started as the star, like season one, they kind of intended for Mark, the youngest kid to be the star kid. And he definitely was the most interesting of the characters because he was the one that the other kids kind of picked on, but he was the one that, that was the most Tim like, you know, he got in there and he would be doing repairs with Tim. And just as a kid would be pretending to be repairs, they really lost his character in the, the seasons prior to this. And I think it was, I think it was earlier in this season or it was in season seven. Once he hit puberty, they're like, what do we do with this kid? And they basically made him like he was a goth kid for a while. And then he comes in one episode, he shaved his head. And they literally just dropped it after that. And he just became normal Mark again, which is kind of what you see here. But they gave him some humor back in this episode, which is nice. Yeah. Randy gets back and then sort of we have those scenes. And then eventually they all kind of, oh, yeah, Randy needs a suit for or jacket for church. Um, But it was all under a bunch of clothes wrinkled. And he has a sort of okay joke of like, it looks like the oldest woman in our village yeah. or something. Um, it, it, he's had better. Uh, yeah, He's also had worse. <laughs> it also, it, it, I never noticed this before, but it actually kind of bothered me that this is what he wanted to wear because he has a full matching suit when they come back in the next scene. Like, was he intending to wear that beige coat with the brown pants? Because that would have looked awful. Like when you have matching clothes, but you wanted to wear a different coat. Yeah, maybe he's borrowed something from one of the, the others or something. Who knows? <laughs> one of the others that are like a foot and a half taller than him. <laughs> I know. He's so tiny. <laughs> yeah. He borrowed this from the twins. It was the twin suit. <laughs> I was going to say that. But I was like, it actually might work. Um, <laughs> they all get back from Christmas. And you can sort of tell as someone who's not been watching every episode, there's still a little bit of tension. Um, just because like there was some, I didn't write it down, but some of the weird dialogue between the, one of the, the bald brother and the mother and stuff and everything. It's like he fell asleep at church or whatever. It was just a little bit of weird dialogue I noticed. And then like the tradition of you got to open a gift on Christmas Eve or whatever. So do you do that? I wanted to ask that question. If that, is no, that's a tradition? I've never. Never? Like unless it's with like family you're not going to see on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to some cousin's house or something and you're like not going to see them, then yeah, you'd give gifts in exchange, but not like one gift with your cousin or your, or your family or whatever. I've never heard that. See that, that was something that I remember my mom started doing that when we were kids, but it was like when we were older, I was maybe like 10 or 11. And I think she saw it in some movie or TV might've been home improvement. Who knows? Uh, but she saw it in some movie or TV show. And she's like, Oh, that's a good idea. We should start doing that. It, we, we do that with the kids now, which is, I guess partly because it keeps them busy on Christmas Eve. So it does make sense for kids. Not if it's like in this episode, where like you go to bed right away. Like the whole idea of this is here. This, this is to get you out of my hair for about an hour, hour and a half before bed. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so stupid, especially the one gift. Yeah. And if it's like a, like, what if it's like someone's your cousin's gift that gives like to a kid and it's like, Oh, Oh, socks. Like, yeah. thank you. I'm six years old. Socks. Thank you. <laughs> like, it's going to be so lame. So you got to give like a, a good, like, not like maybe not the best, but like one of the better ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, we basically pick smaller things, like physically smaller that we know the kids, if we're having trouble getting them to go to bed, like, hey, you can take this in bed with you. So like, you know, uh, Remy will get a, a, a Lightning McQueen car and Casper's going to get a train. I'm spoiling it. I hope they don't listen to this episode before <laughs> Christmas. But Casper's got like a train he's been asking for, but like things that are handheld, you know, I don't know what these girls are going to do in bed. With they even say you can't take them to bed with you. You hit, hit each other over the head with it. Yeah, this was very poor planning on them, their yeah. part. Uh, and if I was a kid that opened like a Christmas gift at that time when they did, and it was cool, I'd be like, I'm not going to bed. I'm staying up to to yeah. play with it like it's just bad bad planning for them all around i i will say even when we got older my mom would still do this with us but it was like somebody would have an idea i remember one year as an adult my brother got me the novel of casino royale the first ever james bond novel and the whole idea again was hey you know we're gonna be up for a couple hours you can read casino royale i read half that book before i went to bed but uh uh yeah it, uh, hitting each other over the head my kids would do that i'm not giving them anything they're hitting each other over the head with before bed Yes, you wouldn't give them the Little Miss Binford toolkit. No. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I really like the gift. It's very Tim appropriate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the most essential gift to give. I guess they weren't that excited to play with it. (laughs) Um, But it was off to bed with them. Uh, 
And I did like, I honestly, my favorite part about the twins was this joke where Jill's like, oh, uh, I'll come upstairs and tell you a story of when I was a little girl. And they're like, no, we're good. Thanks. And they just yeah. run off. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was genuinely funny. Uh, it, it matches the uh, earlier or a few seasons ago when we talked about, um, she was like, oh, I moved eight times. Yeah. Oh, we know eight dead. times. <laughs> yeah. It was in line with, that. I thought, I genuinely thought that was funny. That was the best bit of the two twins that we got the whole uh, episode but the, the but, worst can we say the worst is i think it's this scene where somebody says about uh christmas to their mom and dad and they say they get to spend christmas with their mom and dad what was that in this episode because I mean, there's a birthday I, that was episode. i think that was the next morning okay yeah that's oh that's where i'm just like shut up yeah and it never gets resolved in this episode no it d- never gets talked about so um, i don't know if it comes up next episode but but during this whole exchange, Randy is really trying to like give his gift mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know why he's pushing it, but maybe he just feels so left out. But he's pushing to give. So he gives his gift, which is like a tree planted in everyone's honor. Um, but he foolishly says, oh, I didn't put your wife's name on it or whatever. Um, like, why would he? Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's more insensitive to say that. Like Marty would want his ex-wife who's basically kicked him out. And he's taking his kids 50% of the time. He would want her name on the card. Yeah, I was, it was weird. But like it set off in motion, like a whole series of arguments between like the two brothers and the mother. Um, is that a different woman? Is that the same actress? It's the same actress who played Tim's mom. Yeah, which I don't know if we've, we had Jill's mom the last episode, uh, but this we, is We had Tim. Tim's mom in the house moving. That's right. It is. Yeah. So but yeah, it's the same looks one. And, so different. Well, it's the same brother too. So these, I think we mentioned in season six that uh, both of them kind of become more recurring characters, especially the brother, Jeff kind of becomes a more recurring character. Actually in this scene, um, uh, you, I guarantee you wouldn't pick up this. And this is probably the one part where it's explained, but nobody's going to get it. He mentions his girlfriend in this scene, Carrie, which is actually Jill's sister. Cause that was another plot point. I think in this season or the previous one where Tim's brother, Jeff started dating Jill's sister, Carrie, and then it caused all kinds of awkwardness with them. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. She looks so different from what I remember of season six or, but anyway, they get into a fight. She's like, you should have at least tried. And, and the one bald brother is like, how could you be mean to our mother? And the other one's like, like I had a choice in the matter. Like, I don't want to give my girls a good Christmas. It just dragged the whole episode down. I mean, the only thing, and it wasn't even saving grace, but the saving grace was Tim, everyone looking to him. He's like, say something, tell her that she's wrong. And he's like, wow, my head's really thick. Um, It was like sort of funny, but like, but genuine, it was like, genuine reaction like if someone else is in that situation i could see them doing similar things Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not as stupid as oh these rulers in metric or whatever like (laughs) like i think they would all try to diffuse the tension but it just it it just it kind of takes the whole episode in a turn and and then that was something that came up in the whole episode was like it's a christmas episode but they're like detouring the storyline about the twins and then this argument about the the you know relationship it's the first time i've noticed in any of the christmas episodes that it sort of you needed the lead up and the follow-up of different storylines whereas the other christmas episodes are pretty contained to you know what happened here is what stays here yeah uh which which is interesting i guess since we've eight seasons it's the first time that's come up interesting take i guess um and then that was pretty much it. They go outside to look at the lights, right? And that was the end of the scene. And the next morning is Christmas. Randy's trying to talk to them, but everyone's interrupting. The girls are being annoying. Um, like you said, they say that line about he gets to spend Christmas with mom and dad. Yeah. And then uh, no one seems to talk to him. The girls want to open the Christmas gifts, but they won't open them without Jill. And then Randy's like, oh, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. Don't worry. Um, and sort of everything just kind of goes in his, blows up in his face. He talks to Wilson in Spanish, which I really liked. Uh, very characteristic for Wilson to just know another language. You now, I'm right in in America. You are. Is it mandatory you learn Spanish in school as a second language? Uh, you have to. I know it's mandatory learning language. Spanish is not the language. I learned Italian in in school. 
but is it uh is it like you get a choice of languages and, and what age actually, is this good point um actually i don't remember because i remember like what, what we would call middle school was when i started italian hmm. um which would be about ooh, like 12 ish i want to say but i don't remember anything earlier than that if if that language was taught and you got to pick that like i'm, I'm assuming because of your name that you have italian heritage yes yeah. yes <laughs> and yes um when i moved to middle school i think we got spanish italian and french were our choices mm-hmm. and then like once we got to high school they our school had a latin mm-hmm. program so you could choose latin um and then my senior year they had adopted a chinese so you could learn that oh. as well I wish I had a choice. Like here in Canada, I mean, it's a bilingual country. You have to speak English. Well, you don't have to speak English and French, but like every everything in this country has to be printed on English and French. But it is mandatory in school from uh, first grade to eighth grade. I think at least it was at the time I was in school, eighth or ninth grade. French was mandatory. So for eight, nine years in school, your first eight or nine years in school, you had French class and you had no choice. And I think there were optional ones after that. But uh uh, yeah, I wish we had a choice. I mean, because I, I I know enough French that I can understand if somebody's speaking, I can pick up words here. And I'm better if I'm reading it than I'm, uh, I'm, than I'm actually, you know, listening to it. But if I had a choice, I wouldn't have picked French. Come on. I mean, you're just fortunate that you don't have to choose. Yeah, they make the choice for us in Canada. Yeah. Children don't have a choice. You're ours. We own you. You're French now. <laughs> Yeah, but he's talking to Wilson. I did like the joke about um, I'm roasting my nuts. Oh, that must hurt. Oh, chestnuts on an open fire. Very, very characteristically Wilson. And I, lo- I like that. Um, they sort of have their heart to heart about what he's going through, what he's feeling, you know, feeling isolated and different. He's got to carve out his own space. Hmm. What does he do? He goes up on the roof and Tim's there and Jill happens to show up. Like, I don't think he carved out his own time. I wish I was hoping that maybe he would come in and like, they're all talking. He's like, I've been gone for months. You haven't talked to me. Just like, give me like 10 minutes or like, but he didn't do that. They just kind of wrote it where they just coincidentally have a conversation. Uh, as much as I was annoyed about the like delivery of, or the introduction of it, I thought that the scene was really nice. I thought it was really like, especially when I saw those like bloopers at the end, it really felt like three equals were staring the stage. Mm-hmm. not like two parents and their child it almost felt like they were all equals at that moment and the conversation was equally funny and charming and charismatic like i love the how do you say hasta la vista in spanish like <laughs> I, mentioned. Um, I will say it genuinely took me a moment to realize i was like wait how did oh wait that is spanish <laughs> um, and then the, he asked about the chinese food place that they always order takeout from which closed down which is kind of sad but then it's now the tanaka sushi and live bait <laughs> which the uh live audience really loved that joke yeah well and we see in the bloopers earlier on that basically tim couldn't get out what the actual line was so they probably threw this in there and they're they're i'm guess half laughing because they expected it to be Ahmed's falafel or whatever that they kept butchering in the bloopers yeah this is the octagonal all over again. yeah exactly <laughs> the round signs um which is great. I love, I like really, those are funny bloopers where they sort of redo the script mm-hmm. on the fly. Um, another great line I liked, he's like, I feel like a guest at a hotel. And then Jill says with a heart to bell hops, yeah. <laughs> which is just great. I, I, I liked it, really liked the scene. I thought it was probably the best and it re- really showcases the talent there on the, on the roof. Um, just to cu- culminate the end of the episode, they see that Al wins the contest. They're like, wow, the, it looks good. Um, it's actually him and, uh, what's her name? Tanya? Or? Trudy. Trudy. <laughs> yeah. They're actually the people on the roof, which I thought was very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they get stuck and it's like, ah, help, help. The thing I don't get, why was Al in the roof, in the chimney? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not the best place to put he's yourself. To, he's like animating, dropping the presents in the roof, in the, <laughs> yeah. like, but he's in it. I know. I just didn't get that. Yeah. But I, I thought it was clever to be a part of the set, but getting stuck in the set, like mm-hmm. an interesting culmination on this very repetitive uh, lighting contest that we see. No mention of the doctor. What's his face? Yeah, Doc Johnson. Dead? 
Yeah, they haven't had him in like three seasons at this point. So um, there was no actor to play him. I guess they just decided to no longer have him battling with an 80-year-old proctologist. Yeah, they're tired with that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be an episode. I know you have much to chime in on. Uh, yeah, I, I like when they're coming back from the church service and um, uh, Jill's asking, Tim, where did you disappear to for so long? He says, I was having a private moment of prayer. He goes, what did you pray for, Chili Cheese Dog? Because he's got it on his shirt. That's uh, something you expect out of Tim. Um, the, uh, the the thing with, with Jeff, now Jeff is, I think, the brother. I like Jeff a lot better than Marty. Like Marty's kind of the bland brother. And I find him very similar to the twins. Like there's times where Marty has lines where I'm like, oh, that's funny. But I'm like, but there's something about his delivery that I don't know if they just intended for him to be the more bland brother, but like, he's the one who's usually there. But Jeff is the funny one because he was the one in season six who was the cheapskate who tried to steal the toilet, you know? And he has like the insults back and forth with Tim and all that. But uh, we get some good Jeff stuff in this episode, even though I agree with you that like this weird subplot with the mom being judgy of Marty and then, Jeff, you know, it's, I guess, just the gimmick with his character where he's like, oh, yeah, that's for me, too. He goes, oh, what did you get them? It's like, I don't know. I'll tell you in a minute when they open it. Um, but uh, the the thing where him and Marty are going back and forth where they're saying like, oh, don't take that tone with mom. It's like, oh, there was no tone. There was definitely a tone. No, there was no tone. Then Tim, what do you think? It's not just like, um, I, I I think you maybe undersold it a little bit. It's not just like the, the line of Tim being like, I think all these riches are in metric. It's the way that Tim Allen delivers that. It's not like he's saying that like, oh, it's awkward. You know, I'm going to say something else. It's like, he's literally not paying attention. And then when he's measuring his head, he's like, whoa, that's a sizable melon. Uh, like, he's just so dumb and, and, so focused on his tools and stuff like that, that he's not even paying attention to this conversation around I mean, him. I think you're underselling it. I think that he really did know. Cause I think that there's like a moment of pause. Uh, I think I, that there's like where you could see in his eyes, like, I don't want to be involved. <laughs> and so he plays up his shtick. I, I think that he was being very clever here. I, I I think that the first one, maybe when he's measuring his head, it literally just looks like, you know, a total boob who's, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'll give you that. Like maybe at the beginning, but I'll give him that. Like he started just like, all right, I'm just going to stick to this. Like, I'm just going to, until something changes, like (laughs) I'll stick to this. He's putting on a show and he's like, oh, now I'll tune everybody out. We'll revisit next next year. We'll cover this again and see if our opinions change. (laughs) Got to do something (laughs) next year, right? Oh gosh. Um, We'll do them in reverse next time. (laughs) We'll do eight to one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Jeff's girlfriend, which he says he doesn't want his mom shopping in that kind of store, which is actually Jill's sister. Uh, that was an episode earlier on the series. Uh, and I, I love Tim, like the, the different spin of having Al in this contest, because there's only so far you can go with the whole 80 year old proctologist, you know. And then the last couple seasons, there wasn't really an antagonist, you know, the, the one where the kids were decorating. I don't even know if they mentioned the competition. And then season six, there's just a brief mention of, oh, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be putting my lights. Last season, it was just, oh, well, I have all these new rules. Giving him competition again and actually being able to see the competition makes it different because you get something different out of Tim. Like you get this, he even talks about the competitiveness here where he's like, oh, if Al wants to be all competitive about it, it's like, for me, Christmas is more of a religious holiday, Marty, where he gets all testy about it, which is great. Uh, The Wilson scene, I think this is really good. Like the Wilson scenes are always good, but Randy is one of the characters. I, I always find it interesting when you have Jill or Randy who are the ones that, and everybody's had this. Mark has scenes when he was a kid with Wilson and Brad's had them, but it's almost always Tim. We talked about it last week, but Randy and Jill are like the intellectual equivalents because Randy was always the smart kid. So being able to have Randy where they're speaking the language back and forth, it's just something different. And especially when they're giving the quotes where he's like, oh, Thomas Wolfe says, you know, you can't go home again. And then he's like, well, Frank Baum says that uh, there's no place like home. Like, it's just a different dynamic that I think is fun, but I, I, I'm definitely with you in that I always saw this scene as like, wait, but Wilson told him he needs to, he needs to force his way in there, you know, pick your spot and, you know, uh, figure out how to connect with people, get their attention. And then he literally goes up on the roof is like, so how's Puerto Rico, you know, but, but I, I sort of interpreted it differently this time while I was watching it, where I'm like, is the whole point of this, it may, I, I think it makes the, it presents the family in a better light because the way I've always viewed it before, I'm like, well, why isn't the family paying attention? You know, if, if Casper goes off to Puerto Rico for two months and he doesn't get my letters uh, and then he comes back, I'm, I'm not going to be ignoring him. You know, I'll make sure to make time for him. But I, I now I kind of see this differently where it's like, 
this presents the family is like, hey, literally the only opportunity you need to make is you just need to get one-on-one. Make sure there's no chaos around you. Because Wilson even mentions that about, you know, you're, you're battling, or I think it's Jill that mentions it, you're battling it out with twins and all this extra stuff in the house. When he can just get one-on-one with somebody like he does with Tim and then Jill comes in, it, he doesn't need to create an opening. They're like, you know, they're, it's obviously just as important to them that he's there. It's just, you just needed the right spot. You need to get away from the chaos. So maybe I'm reading into it wrong. Uh, Cause I definitely read into your way before, but I, I, I think I just looked at it a little bit differently this time uh, when I was watching it. Um, I, I do love Wilson. Like I said, last week, whenever Wilson gets worked up about something like his rage fit last week with Tim, you know, uh, keep your sand off my freaking lawn or whatever. When he starts uh, pumping up Randy saying, you know, take your opportunity hallelujah uh remember just ending and remember the album <laughs> wilson calm down uh the, the conversation they have is actually really good too like you said like these are three actors who are equals it's not a kid with two more experienced actors like jtt is on the same level as them and all the actors even like you said in the bloopers like you can see how they play off each other but there's a way that the show pulls off drama without it being melodrama like where he's talking about, you know, it's weird. I'm living uh, in in a house uh, and everything. And I feel like I'm an outsider. And then when he's talking about his uh, Costa Rica, it's like I'm living with a strange family, but it helps that I come from a strange family. Uh, they're sort of back to normal. There's one line in here though, that it's not a Christmas episode. And I don't know if you'd ever remember this, but there was an episode, I think it was a Valentine's day episode in one of the early seasons where Tim was supposed to take Jill to some resort for the night and then his boss basically said, you need to do a tool time segment demonstrating this camping gear with your family, like this winter camping gear. So they made a plan where they were going to just fake winter camping for like an hour or two and then drive off to the resort and offload the kids to the grandma or something like that. Uh, but they had no food because Tim basically lost the, the car and then he ended up getting tied to the car and getting pulled down a hill. But in that episode, Jill basically makes hot chocolate and she says... Oh, Tim's like, how did you do this? He's like, well, I melted a candy bar with some snow and a candy cane. That was like a season one or season, I think it was season one episode. And it's so weird that they brought that up here where she says, remember that time where I made hot chocolate with a candy cane and toothpaste? Yeah, I lied about that. And I always wondered like, okay, so did they just decide this was like an appropriate callback seven years later for something that nobody remembers? Or was this something where people were trying this at home? Because I remember watching that episode thinking like, hmm, I wonder if I melted snow with a chocolate bar and candy canes. Maybe some kid somewhere set fire to his kitchen trying to melt a chocolate bar and toothpaste. So they felt the need to put it in here. It's not like it gets a laugh or anything. It's just, it's it's a bizarre callback to something that's seven years old here. Um, yeah, he mentions uh, where him and his girlfriend who went to Costa Rica with him, that all they talk about is home. And then Tim's like, you probably missed tool time. Like, so sincere. <laughs> That's great. That's how I think where the Austin La Vista line in Spanish comes in. And uh, this show's really great with the, um, what was it last week? Uh, uh, Captain uh, something's karaoke and whatever kitchen. And this week it's Fu Wong's Tanaka sushi and live bait. Uh, those things are always clever. Uh, Jill has one more line here with like, when they're talking about how Brad and Randy are, you know, taking over his room. And she says, you know, no matter how long you've been gone, you can, you always remember this is your home, no matter what is growing in your room. Uh, the, the Tim falling off the roof. Like I, I love the, the Pratt falls of Tim Allen. I mean, that's half what the show's built on, but this is like in every episode, him just with the line, it's okay. The ground broke my fall. Like that was like, Oh, this is maybe a little bit too predictable for me. Um, and, and I'm with you, like Al's display, them using themselves, the only thing that they could do, because Tim, of course, shot their giant Santa with one of his arrows, or the wise men shot uh, Santa with a giant arrow. Uh, and he has to substitute himself with the living display. And Tim's line, they're still a little bit bitter. It's amazing what a little blood, sweat, and 10 grand can do. Uh, you know, Just seeing Tim have like a little bit of bitterness and it's not directed towards a character off screen is kind of fun. But I, I think this is, for me, this is an improvement over last week, just in that there's more originality to it. Although there are a lot of flaws. So, I mean, if, if I'll, I'll rate this now, I thought coming into this, I might buy all these episodes. I can't remember if I bought the season two one. I think that's up in the air last week. I definitely rented. This one's going to be a rent again for me, but I think that this episode is a stronger rent than last week, just because the good stuff in this is better than the best stuff last week. But at the same time, the bad stuff in this episode being the twins who again suck and they can drop dead and I never want to see them on home prune again. If there's ever a home prune revival, keep the twins off. They drag it down worse than anything we saw last week.
uh, I'm going to rent it as well, which is no shock. I've rented most of them, mm-hmm. probably, except I, I feel like I've been three, the most. Three of them. I think you bought three. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I've been more equal across the board than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I feel like you overloaded and buy. <laughs> so where would you put it in the rankings we have going? So I was in the process before I got on the line here with you of uh, ranking these episodes. So um, my number one was season three. That's Brad church. goes church and Brad goes seeing the Leon. My season four, which was Jill's family and Tim's family visiting hole in the roof mm-hmm. was second season five. The airport was third season six. My top four are not changing season six would be my other one. The top half, which is the moving Tim's mom. Um, I really love the season one episode. So that'll stay as my number five. So really this is in my bottom three, but yeah, I, I, I do think that it's better than last week and it's really between this and season two, but I'm going to say I'll bump this up above season two, just because season two, especially after we covered it, like there's a lot of stuff in that episode that makes it a real downer. And I wouldn't say outside of a couple of lines of the twins, just kind of whining here. There's nothing here. That's really a downer. It's not, the best episode season two is probably a more original episode, but I'm going to put this fifth overall six overall. And so my second last will be season two and my last season seven. All right. So I will say I moved it up one spot since we started talking about it. Ooh. So it's already gone up, but obviously, you know, my number one, it's not changing. Yeah. We, we share a number one here. <laughs> and after that, it's all different. Um, as we talked about before, my number two is season six, the moving house episode. My number three, which we both share, is the airport scene. Airport episode, I should say. Here's the big difference. My number four is last episode, Jill's mom going dating. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big shift between mine ears. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's my top half. And then just just moving in at the fifth spot is this episode, Randy coming home. Uh, it was originally down one, but now I moved it up after thinking about it. So number six is season one, Stan is dead. And uh, seventh place is season four, Jill's parents come. And then the last one is the charity, which is just rough. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we're done. It took us two years to get here. What are we even going to do next Christmas? I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I will say there's eight home improvement Halloween specials. We've already covered two of them like back in the day, but possibility for Halloween but I don't know I don't know of a lot of other shows that always do Christmas episodes I think that's one of the tricky things but we've got other things we've had in the back burner right uh, okay I, I don't know off the top of my head but I'm sure <laughs> well I'm not asking for decision we got a year we got 11 months I guess we got to make plans but I, I other stuff I'll just quickly plug here uh the time people listen to this episode we've already released our review of Avatar the way of water we promise it's going to be at least three hours shorter than the movie uh <laughs> but uh there's a couple other reviews Ben has some solo reviews, which some of them you may have heard already. Some of them may be coming within the next week. Uh, he's going to be doing the Weird Al movie. And, uh, well, not Weird Al, start Weird, Daniel Radcliffe has Weird Al movie. And also the uh, Apple TV movie with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, um, Spirited, the Christmas movie as well. Uh, and Jamie and I might have a review for Violent Night, the uh, movie where David Harbour from Stranger Things plays a Santa Claus killing people. Uh, but... Uh, uh, otherwise, there's the the final best of Christmas episode, which dropped a couple days ago or yesterday, and uh, our best of the year, our final episode of the year, which uh, will be right around New Year's Eve. We're gonna have that one up, and uh, you've got some spots in there, Rossi. I've got some spots. Uh, Jamie's got some spots. Ben, Noah, Nick, all the all the regular usual suspects. Kristen, Kristen's got some spots on there. Jared, we can't forget Jared. Casper, the twins. Casper, he does. There is a, a segment, I don't know if you've ever heard of Rossi, but uh, a segment where Casper became the youngest Oz Network co-host in history, where he reviewed Minions, The Rise of Gru with me, which uh, is, is approximately two minutes long. The entire best of clip is his review of it, but it is it is worthy of being a best of clip. It is spectacular. I like that. Um, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Rossi, and thank you for joining us at Ahmed's Falafel and uh, uh, live I don't know. Just doesn't go. Uh, my name is Colin, and if I'm gentle with this harpoon, I think I could save the buttocks.
Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.